Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hotcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. Before we get started today, make sure that you subscribe, leave a rate and review, head over to iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe to get all the inside information from us, including me, recruiting analyst and host Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. This week, Jake, I told myself I was going to ask you how to pronounce your last name before we got started, but Jake Kokorowski, it's all good, man. It's all all good. (laughs) From uh, like, yeah, no, my family. Real quick, one, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate you making time for our podcast back at Big Ten Media Days, but also, it's also fun too because yeah, I my last name can be said fifteen different million different ways. I say Kokorowski because Coco is easy. My Great grandfather had his the name changed and they tried to keep the same sound of the name. I'm like, no, there's no Coco and Kutch Orowski, so we're gonna call it Coco Orowski from now on. And uh yeah, welcome to my life as a uh, Polish American. It's always good times. Wow. Yeah. Uh before I, I don't know if you caught it, and maybe I explained it at Big Ten Media Days, but do you know how to pronounce my last name? Yeah, Clough like rough. Okay. All right, like rough and tough. Yes, rough you got tough. it. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. You read the Twitter bio, I can see. <laughs> but uh Jake from from the Wisconsin State Journal, previously of Rivals and Badger Blitz. But but Jake joining us to preview this Iowa Wisconsin game coming up here this weekend. Last week we previewed that Purdue game with Dub Jellison from Boiler Upload and Obviously, very different situation. Wisconsin, uh, a better football team, but kind of similar scenario. New coach, new quarterback, a lot of new in Madison this year. The Badgers are four and one. So I imagine you can't be too upset about how things are going if, if you're a Badgers fan. Jake, has the team embraced like the Luke Fickle way of, of how they do things? Do you see the culture starting to set in like what have you seen from this this new new face of 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 this program this this uh, this offseason and into the season? Right, yeah, it's a great question because you know very much established players love Paul Chris, they love Jim Leonard, and then you know a, a lot of us thought you know you never heard the name Luke Fickle being associated with the Wisconsin job until that morning that it hit that they were zeroing in on Luke Fickle. The I think that's how Pete Thamel had called it uh, or whatnot. So really though, the team has embraced it, uh, it embraced Luke fickle and the new staff and the new strength and conditioning staff. And on top of that too, it's, you know, Luke was talking about, I mean, the culture is there already, you know, and whatnot. So they, it's not like they're trying to overhaul the culture, you know, and, and on top of that too, the, the players on paper, you know, look at the rivals, you being a rivals alum, like I am, you know, I have a, of course, a, bias towards liking rivals uh, and whatnot, but it is, it's a thing where you have from the class of 2019 to 2021, those were the best recruiting classes on paper, according to rivals, you know, in the rivals era. And so you had ta- supposed talent there. If you believe in star rankings and in recruiting evaluations, which I do, uh, you know, and of course you're going to have some diamonds in the rough, but uh, like Wisconsin's walk-on program is one of those. And, but even with the recruiting area, you know, what's this day and age, it's harder to find those diamonds in the rough because they all have huddle film, but I digress. Wisconsin for really with, with the, you know, what they are done, they've done. I mean, the, the new, you know, the players that were there previously from the old regime have bought in uh, on top of that, they have brought in transfers. I think it was like 14 or 15 uh, scholarship transfers uh, into this program too, uh, that, 
you know, to fill certain places, quarterback, they brought in three quarterbacks, uh, from, you know, all from, by the way, the state of Texas, uh, and, and whatnot. And that includes Tanner Mordecai. Uh, you mentioned a, a new quarterback there. You have, you know, wide receivers. They brought in four wide receivers, uh, you know, and two of them are starting now. You can count a third if you include CJ Williams, uh, there, depending upon how they range their wide receiver rotation and offensive line too. And, you know, they've, they've, Plugged in Nickelback uh, with uh, the, the slot back with Jason Matry, the uh, Boston College transfer. So they've made, they've plugged holes where they've needed to, but they they also Luke Fickle has talked about they want to be a developmental system within you know and grab high school recruits uh, and not just depend upon the transfer portal. And he said that during his opening press conference. So I still anticipate that they had to, in their eyes, bring in guys. Uh, but there's been a gelling. Uh, you know, be, between everybody, and yeah, you, you, know, you had Keontes Lewis uh, depart uh, you know, a few games into the season, and in, in you know announces his intentions to enter the transfer portal when that opens up. But uh, is a team that's bought in, and you know you're seeing you know it. There's always, I guess, with the team overall. I mean, that's culture's part of it. So like that part they've bought in. It's still interesting to see how schematically how they're evolving. And even Luke Fickle had mentioned, you know. Uh, but today, or was it today, Monday, that the he feels that the Badgers have evolved, had to evolve more defensively than offensively. And that's ta- that's you know, that's interesting because they wanted to try to mesh the elite of. Uh, that's how Jim Trestle coined the phrase or a paraphrase in it, meshing the elite or mesh the elite of what Jim Leonard did with the defense in terms of run defense and stopping the run. And Iowa has seen that happen over the course of the you know outside of I think twenty twenty, uh, that that season, but. Uh, with what Cincinnati did against the pass when, you know, with Mike Trestle's kind of three, three, five unit. Uh, and so that part, they're still figuring things out. I think what they can do with the personnel they have now, what suits them best uh, defensively, but also offensively, you know, it's funny. I was just on another podcast and I, I, I have joked about this where on paper, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Because if you look at the Big Ten standings or, you know, the rushing standings, Wisconsin's first in the Big Ten in rushing yards per game. You're like, wait, didn't they go to an air raid scheme? But that has opened up going spacing out more. No more eight or nine guys in the box. And you have player, you know, you have a running game that's able to, you know, you have an alignment that don't have to worry about two to three other defenders. Uh, and you have the ability to spread it out more. So, I mean, it, it long story short, too long didn't read. Culture, culture-wise, they've gelled, they've bought in. You know, on the field, they're still working through what's working, you know, what's going to work best for them. And you know, they have the, the the air raid scheme is installed. The players are playing more instinctively. Uh, but now they're going to get their t- a big test against a you know an Iowa team that is just, especially with the defense that is very stout uh, and does things very well for what they what they're being asked to do. On top of that, you got some gnarly weather conditions coming up on Saturday. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the run game. You mentioned the air raid. All things I'm I'm definitely interested in here. One stat that sticks out when you look at this Wisconsin offense, especially considering the fact that they bring in that air raid system and that's what they're going to be uh, running, is that Tanner Mordecai has three passing touchdowns, three interceptions, and the run game, they've got 15 touchdowns on the ground. What's going on there? Are they using the air raid between the twenties and then pounding the run game, you know, in the, in the red zone? What's, what's going on? You know, it's interesting because the numbers are deceiving and it's one thing we've had discussions about and Colton wrote about this after the game, the win against Rutgers. And we even said it on our podcast during the bye week 
Tanner Mordecai's numbers are deceiving because he means so much to this offense. Uh, you, you, the numbers don't do him justice. Three touchdowns, three interceptions, averaging about 204 yards per game through the air. Good completions percentage of about 64% percentage, you know, in terms of uh, hitting on his throws. But he's also doing stuff with his feet. Um, let me just make sure I got my numbers right here. I mean, yeah, only 152 yards, but he's averaging even with sacks, 3.2 yards per carry, and he has four rushing scores. So he's been able to provide a dual threat look. I mean, there are RPOs that are being run. And yeah, Paul Chris may maybe integrated here and there more towards the end of his regime at Wisconsin, uh, his time at Wisconsin. But, you know, they utilize run pass options very well within that offense. Tanner Mordecai is a threat out of the backfield to run the ball. Is he the best athlete in that quarterback room? No. But can he make guys miss and get to the second levels of the defense to get some first downs where needed or scramble to make third and shorts? Absolutely. Uh, regarding, you know, that's on top of having Braylon Allen. And yeah, Chesma Lucy is, you know, he, you know, he never confirmed that he was going to be out for the season. I know Adam Rittenberg had that, um, you know, talking talk about the, the lower leg injury that was going to cost Malusi. That was never actually, we've never been actually able to confirm that, but he's not on the depth chart and he, you know, uh, he hasn't been on the depth chart for the past, you know, two weeks. So uh, since that injury, but you know, Jackson Aker, Braylon Allen, those two guys, you know, they're both power backs. And even Aker was joking uh, with reporters after the game saying, talking to, um, he said that both him and Braylon went to Phil Longo and said, Hey, did you ever actually ever have two power backs in, in your air raid scheme? And he goes, and he said, no, uh, you know? And so it's a, so you have that. So they're not going to go away from, and that's what one thing Phil Longo said, even at his introductory news conference, or I don't call it availability back in January that he can mold personnel. You know, he, it may be air raid, but he works with what they have. So, you know, and, and that's going to be big. Uh, because you have a two-time consensus second team, all Big Ten uh, back in Braylon Allen. You have Jackson Aker, who is an athlete. He was a fullback last year, but really his best position is, is just being a bigger tailback, and he's physical. You have those guys, and then you have a receiving core that there was talent coming in even before the uh, before the transfers, the four wide receiver transfers, where Chimray DK. Uh, I think he's been an unsung hero within the offense and he's Mr. Reliable at that wide receiver group. Uh, and then you also have, you know, along with that, now you have Will Pauling and Skylar Bell in the slot and a couple things in terms of like what's happening with the passing game. You know, a lot of short passes, those act like pseudo runs too, uh, but it's also spaced out defenses. That's helped the run game uh, where there's no longer eight or nine guys in the box you know Wisconsin's probably going to try to run because they have Braylon Allen and you know and whatnot. But that short passing game with Will Pauling can make a big deal in the slot, or they can go to Jim DK, uh, you know, on the outside, or CJ Williams or Bryson Green. You know, uh, Bryson Green led Oklahoma State last year in touchdown receptions with five, and he's a big deep ball guy. Will that happen against Iowa and Cooper DeGene with the conditions? that's going to be one question to ask is just where they're going to line up the gene and just how, you know, how are they going to try to combat this? But with the, what the weather's going to be bad with swirling winds and rain, is it going to matter? Uh, that's, that's going to be a question that needs to be answered on Saturday. But um, I think they're still waiting on those deep throws the, the offense again, when it played against Purdue got off to a really hot, hot start in a needed start, hot start because they were kind of during the first 
three games were sputtering early on and they, they kicked it up a notch later, later in the game for the first three contests. But you saw them really hit almost hit on all cylinders outside of three field goals. I think it was in all three were near or, in, or around the red zone uh, and whatnot. But now, uh, you know, that's one thing is like, but the deep passes, they're going to, they want to hit deep, but it's also, it's probably a combination of execution, but also what the defenses are giving and not trying to allow those deep passes. They've had opportunities and not to pick on Skylar bill. I feel like I've always called him out in whatever podcast I'm to whoever I'm talking to, but there's one pass against Buffalo where it should have been a 60 yard touchdown and he dropped it like out of the blue, you know, like one of those easy ones should catch it, split the defensive backs, drops it. Two plays later, Mordecai throws his, an interception. Um, there's a pass against Purdue where it could have caught it, taken it likely to the house. Didn't come up with it. It was a tough catch. Let me just say that. It was like over the shoulder, real t- difficult, but it was there in his hands. Um, so there's that type of things where a little bit of execution goes a long way. And if they make, you know, if, if those two completions, completions hit, we're talking a little bit, maybe a little bit different story. Uh, but they're still working through things with the passing in, but they're playing more instinctively. You're seeing the potential is there. Uh, will we see it on Saturday? Like I said, and I hate repeating myself, but the, the conditions are going to be bad, likely forecasted to be bad. I don't know if you'll see it against Iowa, but it, they are making progress, and it's a lot more potent, that passing game, this year than what it has been in years past. And that's also, I mean, they don't come back and nearly – come back against Washington state that second game of the year, if not for Tanner Mordecai in that passing game where he just started chucking it and got into a rhythm. And that's, you know, late, you know, late in the first half, early in, going into the second half, especially that third quarter. Uh, and, you know, they don't make that type of comeback, even though they faltered and lost late. Uh, they don't make that comeback without Mordecai. Thanks. First, we were just talking before this, as you're an employee of the Wisconsin State Journal, I'm a former sports assistant in the Wisconsin State Journal. While I was there, I wrote a feature on Jackson Aker. So, small world. He uh, quite quite the athlete out of Verona, correct? You betcha. Yes. Yeah, he's a ridiculous discus thrower. That's why I Absolutely. wrote the, uh, the feature on him. So, holist- or, uh, an athlete in a variety of ways. But when we're talking about the offense and the way they operate, do you think that, I guess, when you mentioned Mordecai, he obviously could run the ball. There's a difference between a quarterback that can run the ball and a quarterback that's dual threat. Would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I and think. Would you say he's dual threat? Uh, yeah, that's the, that's interesting because within, especially with this type of offense, if you have a quarterback that can do both, you know. It make it can make such a big difference, and it adds like it just changes the numbers games for defenses where you're not just okay. This guy's sitting in the pocket. Okay, he's just gonna stay there. If he gets four yards, that's a moral victory for the offense. Type of stuff. Mordecai is always gonna be a pass first quarterback. You know, he's always gonna pass first, looking to pass, but he's also able to take off and just when he needs to. If nothing's open, pockets collapsing. He'll go, uh, you know, so I think he's a dual, he has a dual threat nature. Is he a true dual threat quarterback? Uh, you know, I don't think so, but he's able to make plays with his feet and that's what you need. He'll stand in the pocket. He can make every throw that you want out of a good power five quarterback. One that can, has to play in a power five conference, like the big 10, 
but he will, he can, like the RPOs, like he has four rushing touchdowns on the year and he's been able to make plays with his feet and scramble. And it's made defenses pay even with good coverage. Well, you lost your block, you know, you lost your lane in pass rush. Well, he's going to take off for it. And he's going to gain five, six yards. I could set up a, a closer third down or he'll get the, he'll move the chains. And just when you think you have him, he'll, he'll do that. Uh, he'll make you miss and make you pay there. So, you know, he like, then it's interesting because there are other player, you know, on that, on the roster for Wisconsin in terms of quarterbacks, the best athlete on that, in that quarterback room is Nick Evers. He's an Oklahoma transfer, former four-star kid, uh, played at Oklahoma uh, for, you know, the first year. He has the strongest arm and he's got the, the wheels to take the offense. Once he learns that offense and if he's able to, learn it and digest it further. You could take the offense to a whole different level uh, in my eyes. That's my opinion, my two cents, but uh, you know, Mordecai has mastered this type of the, the, you know, the air raid, what they're looking for this year under Longo and he can do so much, but back to your question, you know, I think he is a pass first quarterback, but he can make it, he can beat you with your feet when he absolutely needs to. And they have run RPOs where he's able to make that right read and do that. And, you know, even with that, you know, looking for it, um, the signing, you know, the 2024 class, I know talking rivals recruiting is big. They have a four-star quarterback, top 200 kid, uh, and Mabry Matoyer. I went to go, go down and watch him, uh, during the bye week So I had no week off. I was that, you know, there was no, uh, I did do some, uh, you know, pumpkin patching yeah, just east of Madison the day after I was tired as all heck getting back from Houston, but, Matoyer is a six five six six two hundred twenty five pound kid that, you know, opposing coaches when I talked to him down in Texas said that he was a dual threat quarterback. Uh, you know, this uh, in terms of Matoyer, and he may not look like it, but he can make those dual threat type of plays where they can use him in the run game. Almost like they didn't call him like a freeze tag player is what his coach called him. Like he basically is a big like he runs like a big tight end, but He's big and he can make those type of runs that, you know, you get blockers out in front of you. He's going to pick up some substantial yards and he's hard to take down back to Mordecai. He's not as big as a six, six kid, but he can still make plays. And like within this offense, uh, he can make plays with his feet and that just helps take that offense to a whole new level for Wisconsin. Kind of flip things to Iowa's offense, Wisconsin's defense, you know the name Deacon Hill. That's been a huge conversation this week about former Wisconsin Badger transfer ended up at Iowa. Now he's the starter for this game in Madison. I have to think some of the guys that were around this last year have seen him. Do you think they're kind of licking their chops going into this game, especially after the 6-21 of 21 performance on what one point in time had a passer rating of one during that game? One touchdown, one interception, a lot of overthrown balls. Like, what's the, what are you thinking going to this game? Do you think Wisconsin's defense is going to be in full attack mode, pin the ears back and go? I think it's going to be one thing where the, obviously the with Caleb Johnson and if I'm not mistaken, he's he's going to be good to go for this week, right? Yep. So I mean, the first things first to get with Iowa, you shut down the run, uh, and that's you know it's it's a that's a Jim Leonard mo, but it's going to be with just any type of Wisconsin, Iowa matchup, you will want to shut down the run, the you know, opponent's run game and then make you, you know, make the, the you know, opponent beat you through the air. And with Hill. Yeah. It, you know, his first two appearances in terms of 
substantial in-game playing time, you know, Michigan State. I was watching up in the plane. Uh, shout out to uh, American Airlines and free Wi-Fi because I have T-Mobile. But, you know, watching Deacon Hill throw and, you know, and then you see what he did last week. You know, it. yeah, you want – and for that matter, I know that stat's been going around every other podcast or, you know – Iowa's wide receivers, how many catches, catches did they have last week? You know, zero. I think Split Zone Zoo said that, um, you know, in their podcast this week when I listened to them. So you have those guys, you know, like you zero in on Eric All, who obviously had a great year for, you know, as a tight end. And I know Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl called him out yesterday for what he's done. Um, so, yeah, you're going to want to have Deacon Hill try to make you beat them. And, you know, the one thing, too, it's, I know, you know, I know for that matter too, Colton Bartholomew, my tag team partner on the Wisconsin State General slash Badger Extra. That's our premium service. We call it Badger Extra. It's really confusing when we say Badger Extra or Badger Blitz. Uh, I get those screwed up and my I get yelled at. But for Badger Extra, like we're gonna have a you know, basically talking, you know, Hills former teammates talking about, you know, about that very topic about what are you going to look for? And, you know, I think they have, I think from what Colton has told me, they, they said they've seen some development from, from Deacon Hill. The one thing that always stands out about Hill is his arm, right? I mean, that we saw it, you know, I wrote an article for Badger Blitz talking about uh, Deacon Hill and what he did with the scout team where there he's airing out. I mean, they talked about one throw. I remember, um, I forgot who, I think it might've been Tyler beach, the former offensive lineman, one of the two, but a couple of guys mentioned, you know, Tyler or was it Deacon Hill rolled out to his left during like one bowl prep practice. I think it was in 21 and just aired it out 60 yards easily uh, to Marcus Allen, who's also no longer in the program. And, you know, you hear about that and obviously, you know, he's a, he's a bigger body quarterback mobility. You know, he may not be obviously dual threat at all, but you know, if they can pin back the ears, like you said, like if they can force Iowa's run game to go into second and third and longs and then pin their ears back and send some blitzes. And if Hill doesn't trust the wide receivers or others, that could be a very long, long day. And so that's going to be the key. Can they stop the run game, force those third and longs, and then, yeah, crash it, you know, crash down and, and make them play, create some turnovers. Cause again, in these conditions, slippery ball, potentially, a ball hung up in the air, even, I mean, if there's going to be a quarterback that it's going to try to throw into the wind that I would want to try to throw into the wind, it would be Deacon Hill's arm. Right. Uh, so we'll see how that fares. That's going to be fun to watch, but yeah, if I was Wisconsin though, you, you stop the run and you make Deacon Hill, but beat you. I'm not sure if you've seen the video that, or I guess it wasn't a video, but a tweet that I put out last week, it, I went like viral with Iowa Twitter he said the longest he remembers throwing the ball is 73 or 74 yards. I'm sure that doesn't really surprise you because the dude does can not launch it. I was telling my girlfriend about it. And I said, <laughs> I think the longest I've ever thrown a football is 45 yards. Right. And no, granted, was, I'm significantly smaller than Deacon Hill, but still. Yeah. I mean, I'm five ten, and I say five eighths because I will milk every quarter inch or every eighth of an inch <laughs> for the life of me. Um, and I'm also substantially heavier than I was in high school, but I was a JV quarterback that threw more interceptions and completions because I didn't have contacts or corrective lenses. So uh, I was able to throw it 30 to 40 yards back then as like a five, eight, five, nine kid running the wing T that was a moral victory. I don't care if it was intercepted. I don't care if it was like a duck 
up in the air down in Southwest Florida. I was just hella happy that I got that far, but yeah, uh, his arm, we've seen it before, you know, and the key with Deacon is just, you know, like it's the taming of it, right. Where we all know about like, you know, like I, the one thing I will all watch on it's hard to even say on Saturday because again, and I hate going back to the conditions, but they play such a vital role in terms of how the ball comes off the, you know, comes off the hands, the fingers, uh, what could affect that. But, you know, I want to see like, how is the touch passes looked? Are they, is there a finesse to them now? Oh. And, and so, you know, I can what, tell you that definitively. No, no. You know, and, and like I said, and, and on top of that, I've talked to Deacon when he was a recruit because he was recruited by John, but John Bud Meyer at Wisconsin, who obviously now is a special assistant to Kirk Ferentz. I think hopefully I got that right in terms of title, but, uh, but John's got roots. John's a former Wisconsin quarterback uh, and, and Bud Meyer, you know, obviously was the quarterback's coach at Wisconsin before he went on to Colorado state in 2021. Uh, and, but, you know, with, with Deacon, you know, so I've, I've gotten to talk with Deacon before and, you know, uh, you always, you know, wish a kid well going on somewhere if, if there's not fit anymore. And so, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see just how he, how he looks back in a type of homecoming type of, I wouldn't, maybe I shouldn't call it a homecoming type of environment, but uh, just an environment uh, somewhere where he called home for a couple of years. Now you, you talk about, uh, excuse me, forcing turnovers, obviously with, with the conditions, that's going to be a big part of it, but eight picks through five games for the Wisconsin defense four for Ricardo Hallman. Is that a byproduct of pass rush level of competition? Good secondary, secondary play, deflections what are we talking here a mixture you know yeah they have a that was about eight interceptions. i think they're tied for the big 10 lead with i think i forgot maryland and i think maybe minnesota does that sound right um right now I, the days are for me to make yeah i think i'm right around there yeah they are tied with minnesota and maryland with eight interceptions on the year uh wisconsin is for for the big 10 lead and it just is a uh, with someone like Ricardo Hallman, he was a ball hawk. I remember watching him when I was working at Badger Blitz and looking at his junior film and being like, the kid's a ball hawk. This is what this defense needs. You know, the cornerbacks, you know, Jim Leonard, I mean, it's interesting to see just how I would say it's the scheme a little bit where like that 95 yard pick six, they're kind of in a form of a zone. Uh, I think they call it bracketing, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And he just, you just watched Gavin Wimsett throw it and you're just kind of watching them. You're like, yeah, that's going to be an interception. You saw it right off the bat where he just followed it and caught it, brought it down, and he went for 95 yards thereafter. Um, but he has, uh, you know, that's my dog in the background for, for those that are wondering about <laughs> the, uh, the sound, so I apologize. But um, you have, you know, with what this defense with Mike Trestle's done, you know, they obviously Mike Trestle, uh, you know, in the, in the Cincinnati defense overall, you know, Sauce Gardner is, is the big name, you know, Kobe Bryant, uh, two NFL-bound cornerbacks that were from Cincinnati. Um, was it Brian Cook, a safety uh, within the Bearcats defense, went to the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, they're, I think it's a combination of talent that they've had, that Wisconsin has within that secondary and the defense overall. Because, I mean, you know, Hunter Bowlers also has, has a couple of interceptions. I think they both came in the same game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, again, the weeks are blurring for me right now, but yeah, this is a fact that this team has, uh, you know, Coleman's just been, he had a really bad game against Michigan state last year where he gave up a couple touchdowns at the very least, some big plays to Michigan state in an overtime loss, including the game winner. You look at pro football focus, his reps went down the rest of the regular season until the bowl game in the spring ball Hawk, 
at least, you know, I think he might have had three, you know, he had multiple interceptions in, in the, they call it the, the launch or the spring of a game. It wasn't a spring game, but it was a spring event that fans could attend, but he made interceptions before, uh, before that too. Uh, and so he's just risen up and yeah, it's a combination of scheme, but also them being able to utilize the talent and seeing what's in front of, you know, what, what's in front of them on, on the roster and then play, putting them in places uh, where they know that they can make plays and, you know, Hallman definitely, you know, is one of the bright spots in the defense. It's still evolving, you know, and even, you know, like I said, Luke Fickle had said uh, earlier this week that he felt that the, you know, he feels that the Badgers have had to evolve more defensively than offensively this year. Now, as we start to wrap things up here at the, the end of this episode of Hotcast, one thing that I want to hit on, we talked about all these really strong things about Wisconsin where have their weaknesses come this year? Where are the the weak points that Iowa can can tackle or, or ta- excuse me, attack or will be focusing on uh, this week when they're looking at film? You know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see just how, um, you know, Wisconsin at times has beat itself with penalties. Um, you know, again, granted, it was against Purdue and they came out with a big win, but they had like a team high 11 penalties uh, pre-snap. pre-snap. Uh, I think five of them were against the offensive line, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So that's something to watch. Just how are they going to, you know, and they cleaned up very well against uh, Rutgers for that matter. Um, I think they may have only one or a couple uh, penalties. I'm not mistaken. So it was a lot better than the 11 uh, before the bye week, uh, you know, run defense before Rutgers. Like that was a concern. Uh, it was a, you give up almost, I think if I'm not mistaken, almost 200 yards to Purdue uh, within that, you know, within that. Yeah. It was 194 yards on only 31 carries. It's over six yards per touch in the run game, you know, and they had given up you know, 122 to Buffalo, but it was only on four yards, a, a clip there. So it's not, it wasn't overly bad, but there's been times too, where, you know, like on off the edge, uh, if, if backs can get the edge or if they get reverses off the, uh, not, it, I haven't really seen too much in terms of them defending the reverses, but just running backs get to get into the edge. That's going to be something to watch. Just can Wisconsin contain that edge? And they were in a different kind of a personnel at that time too, where we saw some things, but you know, I still think they can do a little bit better job. Um, if they, if Iowa can get to the edge in the run game, that's going to be something to watch. Um, offensively, it's really uh, in my eyes, it, it's also not just penalties, uh, like the pre-snap stuff that puts you, especially in a game that could be decided with the elements, uh, you know, turnovers is protecting the ball um, it, with, that Washington state game, Wisconsin had three turnovers and they had, didn't force any. And that's the recipe for disaster when on the road. So they've cleaned up their turnovers very well uh, in the past few weeks for that matters. But you, you can't have, so you have to protect Tanner Mordecai because two of those three were blindside hits by an all pack 12 defensive lineman and Ron Stone jr that Mordecai didn't have enough time to, you know, to tuck it in. Like, it was, you know, one of them went for a touchdown. So I think those are a couple of areas. Uh, I think I'm just trying to think if there's anything else really that stands out. Cause you know, the, the offense is still a work in progress, just figuring out, you know, the passing game in terms of evolving and trying to hit deep passes or trying to hit this, you know, the shorter passes run game. If they can get things going with that run game and get a power with the power run game going, uh, against the, the Iowa unit that I know is again normally stout, even without a couple of key players from last year, uh, that's going to go a long way. But even special teams, uh, you know, special teams has decided you can't 
uh, and Atticus Bertrams, who's an Australian punter who came in, uh, in the, you know, after the spring and he's locked in the number one punter position, he's looked pretty good. Um, every, you know, a little bit of shaky start against Buffalo is, I think it's the first ever football game, like college American, uh, American football game. Um, I think he played rugby overseas uh, along with, uh, and whatnot, but, uh, when you have a potential returner like Cooper DeGene back there, how do you defend against him? Special teams, the the flipping of the fields could be. We saw it happen last year where DeGene took that nice kick uh, punt return at the end of the third quarter, turned into a touchdown thereafter. I was third touchdown, which basically put the game away. So, what can they do there? And on top of that, uh, the kickoffs for Wisconsin, they've had four kickoffs go out of bounds this year already uh, out of five games, which is you can't have that uh, and whatnot. So we'll, I mean, the one thing with kickoffs, right? Will I was, I be able to take advantage of a, the ball at 35 yard line. That's the next question to be asked after that. But any offense, you give them an extra 10, 15 yards after a kickoff that, you know, that just helps them out. So field position is going to be huge. Uh, and I think Wisconsin special teams have done a better job, but anytime you have someone like Cooper DeGene back there, that's a game changer in the return game. You gotta one respect it, and two scheme very well to make sure that that does, that does not that you know any type of return is you know is negligible, uh, or you know they nullify it somehow in terms of how they prepare their scheme. Spread last time I checked was Badgers minus ten. What are you thinking? Expectations for this game? Do you think it's close? Do you think that spread is fair? Where are you at going into this one on on Saturday? I'm trying to figure out how they get ten points because the way that the I, mean, I don't know if they I don't know if Vegas doesn't take into account temp, you know weather conditions and I hate beating that with a drum but like when you have potential fifteen to you know weather.com had put this like fifteen to twenty five mile per hour winds uh, periods of rain potential heavy higher gusts um. You know, it's going to come down to who wins in the trenches. I think, I think it'll be less than ten. I could see it, but you know, I could see it being a twenty ten game or a seventeen seven game. I could, I do have Wisconsin. I figured it out in my head today. I think Wisconsin will win seventeen to ten. Uh, you know, it could be seventeen thirteen for that matter, or it could be seventeen seven. Um, but I think it'll be within a score. And, and but yeah, it's gonna have to come down to whoever plays cleanest, who has the least amount of turnovers. And like every Wisconsin Iowa game, no matter what type of air raid system that Wisconsin will deploy, uh, or whatever change in offense, who's gonna win the line of scrimmage? And that's gonna come out. That's that's, that's who's gonna decide who brings home the Heartland Trophy. And really, honestly, Elliot, it's it's, it's a game that really is in my eyes, unless one or both teams decide to fall off a cliff in the big 10 West, which I wouldn't put it past just because the way the big 10 West has been, I mean, they're in the driver's seat for a big 10 West division channel, the last big 10 division, uh, big 10 West division championship before they go to a divisionalist format in the conference starting next year. So do you have a final score prediction or are you just, I'll say 17, 10. That I'll 17, say 17, Wisconsin right now. I don't first to 17, first to 20 will win this game unless like you see the skies part uh like the red sea and next thing you know they're airing it out for you know there's you see deacon hill and tanner mordecai just airing it out for days which i again that'd be hilarious and i i would go over to you and like nudge you and be like hey this happened in in the press box but i don't foresee that happening 
with what I've seen with especially well, specifically from Iowa, this is a Wisconsin victory. Uh, right now I'm at 17-7, so right on that spread mark. If the weather isn't as bad as it turns out to not be quite as bad, then I'd probably make that spread larger and say Badgers win like 27-6 or 27-7. And and that's largely, I I don't know how much film you've been able to watch of Iowa, but my mind immediately goes back to that Penn State game where the Iowa offense barely touched the ball. And it's just that bit by bit, you know, death by a thousand cuts from the offense. And then all of a sudden, or by the, the Badgers offense. And then the second half, it blows up. It's 31-0 after being 10-0 at half. Right. Well, I mean, I remember looking at those stats. And again, this uh, got this. I heard the stat from sp- the Split Zone Duo guys on their podcast. I looked back to check. I mean, Iowa only gave up 4.1 yards per play in that 31 nothing win. So it wasn't like the defense. Yeah, the score, but you know, was a blowout. But it wasn't like Iowa was giving up eight or nine yards a play. You know, it was... And so, yeah, if Wisconsin can get that going with like if short passes, if the players, the Badgers don't drop passes when there are opportunities to throw it. Um, and again, turnovers play a role. I mean, that in shorter fields, that's going to be, it's going to be key. It's just, it's hard too, because with, even with like the Chesma Lucy injury where, you know, Allen and Malusi were able to complement each other. Aker and Allen are very much more similar backs. I think actually Aker's a little bit better of a receiver out of the backfield right now uh, with his route running in his hands. But I do, but you know, it, it will be just, yeah. Who wears down who? And just, you know, is it going to be punts back and forth? Are you going to see that, you know, see that throughout the game. And obviously Tory Taylor's among the best, not just in the big 10, but the nation. So yeah, it's, if somehow there's clearing, it, it, that'll be really interesting. But yeah, it, Wisconsin, like the, er, things are on paper for Wisconsin where they could be a really good team. Uh, uh, you know, with the transition, that's one thing that we've even talked about it. I know I'm rambling, so I apologize, everybody listening. But it's one of those things where we thought that there's talent on paper for Wisconsin, just like how quickly can they adjust? And w- what we saw in the spring, and even in fall camp, you're like, oh gosh, they're making these transitions quickly. But then you get to the game, and that's when you know, obviously, you play against you know one another uh, in terms of badger on badgers. Okay, you know, you see things like, oh gosh, this is going quicker. But then you have an actual opponent. There, you know, probably should have given a little bit more feeler out, give it some time to things to coalesce and gel better. Uh, you know, against Purdue, I thought they did that offensively. In now, it's going to be interesting to see just how it goes for the rest of the year. And just, you know, and whatnot. But I think Wisconsin has that opportunity to be, a, you know, a good team, a really good, you know, good to really good team this year. Um, and Iowa will test them coming up. Stay tuned on iowa.rivals.com for more preview stuff as we head towards this game this weekend. We will wrap it up here with Jake Kokorowski from the Wisconsin State Journal. Go follow him on Twitter. It's at Jake Coco there. We appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Hotcast brought to you by iowa.rivals.com. If you're not a premium subscriber yet, you can do that today at iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe here on YouTube. Drop that like, a comment. What are you thinking about this game going into Madison this weekend? And don't forget to subscribe. Leave a rate and review wherever you're listening. That helps us out a lot, and it makes us very happy. For now, we'll see you next time.